Hello everyone and welcome once again to Wednesday Night Live. This is Ron Crawford coming to you from the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas on a rainy, very rainy Wednesday here in Dallas. I love the rain. I love the thunder and the lightning. It so much indicates the way God moves from his throne and um, I believe that every time I hear those expressions in the sky, I remember God's covenant with us for the earth. And I, I'm not just speaking in platitudes here. Um, I really am grateful. First of all, to, to live in Texas, when we, when, I, when we first moved here in 1980, it was a frying pan. We were, and for the first few years, I don't know, I'm certain it had to have been this way beforehand. There it was always drought, drought. I remember one time, the the water supply was so low that um, people were rationing water on a big time scale. I remember driving north. Um, towards Springfield, Missouri, and stopped at a gasoline station. These were before the days of plastic Ozarka bottles and Dasani and Fiji water and all those things. And they were charging for a glass of water or a paper cup of water because water was so scarce. And that went on. And I remember when God had us take a stand and drive out that high-pressure uh, demonic influence that basically made this place a tinderbox all the time. And we've, we've seen remarkable change over these past couple of decades particularly, and I'm, I'm just grateful. I'm grateful for the rain. I'm, uh, and whenever it comes, some people complain about it. Um, we had too much rain. And I'm thinking, you know, not only not only is the is the amount of rain more, but this metroplex area has multiplied in size. Millions and millions of people are here now that weren't here back 40 years ago. And the the supply of water, the need for water, is so much greater now. But God has um, God has really blessed us, and I know that that's a sign. We've talked about this in the past on many occasions. Um, we've said that um, the um, uh, you go into a different part of the world and God breaks droughts, he breaks heat waves. In fact, he does it in an in incredible, demonstrable fashion. And it's, it's a physical sign which is going to come in real handy in the days ahead, but it's also a spiritual sign. And I know that um, that's not our message for the day, but I'm so grateful for, um, for the rain. And, you know, with that, you know, some people say, oh, don't you just have tornadoes all the time? And our weather people here, you know, they're, they're quality people. But when, when tornadoes are forecast for Dallas, it could be a hundred miles to the west 
or 80 miles to the north. And because the broadcast signal for Dallas is the same um, television stations that are in these outlying communities. And God always protects us. God always watches over us. And the only time that we really had any truly climactic event in our church was uh, on that hailstorm many years ago, which was really an amazing visitation. Um, but through that, we got all of our roofs replaced. We got lots of other work done. People, it was irritating. You had to do the work, but people got new vehicles and um, it, it, it really turned into a blessing. So um, I know that I know that God, um, God is truly blessing this city. I am looking forward to the reign of His Spirit, both the former and the latter reign. Um, it's uh, it's it's a promise from God, but I know that it's an extension from this same type of ongoing visitation. <clears throat> so, all that being said. I want to particularly address the uh, the ongoing prayer emphasis that we have been engaged in here at the Father's Church for the past, well, this would be the fifth week, all leading up to our Saints Network seminar next week. This week, we're believing uh, regarding the promise from Galatians 4.19 of Christ being formed in us and in the people that um, that God is calling us to serve, that He is wanting us to develop as disciples in the various places where God has planted them. Um, and we looked some at what that word being formed is in Galatians 4.19, that particular variation is only used there as a standalone. And it really follows that Greek concept of taking something from promise, taking something from an idea, and uh, making it into a physical reality to, to bring it into fruition. And we need to be Christ-like in a way beyond what we've known. But we also need a heightened capacity for people whom God has called us to that they can quickly and effectively uh, become mature, much more mature than than. The, uh, the initial phase would normally be of development. God's going to have to do this for the time frame. Uh, the days are short. Now, we, uh, we're going to eventually talk about righteousness in the life of Jacob in this program. And we'll get there. But for the purpose of our prayer time tonight, for those of you in Dallas, we are going to be meeting at 6 o'clock to pray and submit ourselves to God for this. We're praying all week for this. Um, and again, this is a culmination of five directed weeks of prayer leading up to 
the the presence seminar hosted here next week now even though in Galatians 4:19 that word morphu is only used there once meta morphu you add the meta on the front of it was used to describe the transfiguration of Christ both in Matthew and in Mark Paul wrote in Romans 12 that we needed to be transformed using that same word by the renewing of our mind and then he wrote in 2nd Corinthians chapter 3 that we are to be changed there's that metamorpho into the same image of the Lord um, from glory to glory so this is very much for us as saints a step of being transfigured into the next thing that God wants to do from glory to glory this is a transitional moment and we need to believe for that our mind needs to be renewed so that we think in the way that God wants us to think that we believe what he's promised and this is from the last point of victory in partnering with his glory toward the next we're changed into this image of the Lord from glory to glory as by the Spirit of the Lord so this is something for us not simply for us here at the Father's Church even though I am the pastor here you gotta those of you listening on live stream you gotta give us some latitude we 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 put just about everything we do out for you and we we believe we're one with you but at some point you have to do local business and um, I guess we could just cut off the broadcast and say we're not gonna do a broadcast this week this is just for in-house that sounds exclusive but you have to give me some latitude here um, this house needs to be transformed in the Lord we're entering into a new dimension of his glory partnering with something that he has ordained that has not been done before and um, we need that so uh, we need to be transfigured we need to be and I think about the transfiguration um, in Matthew uh, 17 and Mark 9 remember Elijah and Moses came and somehow Peter and John, they, they were the ringleaders, I'm sure, of saying, let's build tabernacles. What came to their mind probably was, there was probably more to that picture than just Elijah and Moses, as phenomenal as that was, talking with the Lord there was probably a heavenly kind of a, a, a scenario they may have seen the temple of the tabernacle of testimony I don't know underline may I don't know but some way they got it in their head that they should build tabernacles now they knew that David and Moses had tabernacles Elijah didn't have a tabernacle but Elijah <clears throat> was uh, a mighty prophet 
the thing that we've talked about in the past is that neither one of them uh, entered into that last phase that God wanted them to go into. Moses into the promised land, Elijah into uh, transitioning from Ahab's corrupt kingdom into what Elisha was then supposed to do. Um, but this was a dynamic, but the point is that Jesus was transfigured. And we are to be transformed. We are to be changed from glory to glory. God is not finished with us. The measures of how we have enjoyed partnering with Him in His glory to this point have been splendid. But there is a to glory to come. And this is very important for us. So, let's come and pray, submitting ourselves to the Lord so that we would embrace the new horizon of His glory. That we would um, that we would be changed into the image that He wants. And that we would also have a heightened, in this transformation, a heightened uh, empowerment to, um, to see people enter in, not just quickly, but effectively, and to grow expeditiously. <coughs> Excuse me. We need this. Um, I, and, and part of it is that the days are short. We've been at this for um, over 25 years now. This particular calling of being saints. We've ministered in I don't know how many nations. We've seen many people uh, touched, many thousands of people, and I don't, I'm not evangelistically speaking, it's a truth. Many thousands have been part of this message and uh, others uh, of them are moving forward in the message. Um, and it's frustrating at times to see the principle of the soils, Jesus' message of the seed being sown, to know that 75%, according to Jesus' statistics, are not going to last. And it's every one of those reasons that they don't last is their fault. You look at that parable. You, they either reject, they either don't dig deeply, they don't police their lives to take away the cares of this world. That's all on them. Because it's not the fault of the seed. Um, it's, uh, it's truly up to us. But we need to have a greater sensitivity to the time and the fields of operation in these waning days of light um, so that we know we're going as we've done dozens of times where God says to go when God says to go only where he says to go and um, but the people that are going to be receiving the word need to be have an encounter with God 
and choose yes or no, I'm going off. And those who say yes, they need to really be, uh, have that fire shut up in their bones. They need to have uh, a, uh, an anointing to where they are not disobedient to the heavenly vision. That they can't escape what they commit themselves to God to do. And that's not coercion. That's just necessity for the times in which we're living. And we're certainly not asking God to force anybody to do anything. He doesn't act that way. This isn't some kind of witchcraft. Binding somebody with a love potion. That, that doesn't work. God doesn't work that way. But what it is, is that um, what has been prophesied many times, that the people who will receive the word in these days would um, grow quickly, deeply, and represent the kingdom. And you can do that. You, you can do that. You know, I read stories about humans um, in, in, up, in their upbringing. And I, I read about children who just don't get it. But then I read about other children who at seven and eight are have their own businesses and they they're graduating from high school and they're uh, at that age and they're they're really moving uh, into points of maturity that are beyond what um, the normal growth d dimension is so I know that can happen in the natural nature proclaims the glory of God and I'm just I'm asking for for the effectiveness of our calling in the days in which we're living that God will grant an efficacy for his message and it's not so we can grow the network those of you who are in the network know that we don't put demands on people we don't charge people um, it's, it's simply for, for them uh, that God would add to begin to do the work of the saints wherever he has planted them. We're simply here to be in agreement. We're not their pastors. We're not their, their handyman to fix their problems. We're here as righteous armor on the right and left and at times perhaps to give counsel, but I mean, that's confused some. You know, people, Some people join the network and then they think that I'm there step and fetch it. That's not it. I'm not your daddy. I'm not going to call you and say, oh, how are you doing this morning? Oh, you poor thing. I'm not doing that. I'm just not. It, so those of you know that I'm not. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to raise up sons, people who stand and fight for the Lord, and hopefully not with each other. But you don't need a babysitter. You, If you're part of the Saints Network, you are... You are you have a demand upon you to fulfill what the word says to take a stand through the power of the cross where he's planted you and when you've done all to stand you stand you fight the good fight of faith quit ye be like men the Bible says be mature once and um, that's the calling but we need that 
And, you know, and another thing we don't need is people who come to the meetings and they see the move of the Spirit, but their, their conception, their expectation is different than what we're actually offering. You know, the problem we have sometimes in going to countries that are borderline third world and some that are third world countries is they see Americans coming. And guess what they think? Cha-ching. They think, well, I'll align here. This is my sugar daddy. Because everybody knows Americans got lots of money. And they'll give it to us. Uh-uh. If you know one thing, silver and gold have we... Well, we have some silver and gold. Uh, but what we have is pneumatikos blessing. Now, we bless people. But that's not the motive. And you have to really... You have to, you have to really, um, you have to really discern what people's motives are when they come into the kingdom. And thank God we've had a number of people, I could name them off, but I'm not going to do that, who have said, we, we don't, we're coming from another country, but we're not coming to get some kind of a, um, an endowment we're coming because you have the word of God. This is what we're hungry for. We want this. I was speaking with a very dear pastor in, a, in another country just the other day. And he said, totally unsolicitedly, he said, we in our nation need the word that you're bringing because it is Jesus speaking to us. And I thought, oh dear God. Now I do believe that that's one of the things we preach the word. We don't preach nonsense. I was listening to somebody the other day talking about um, something that they had studied recently and they used a term which many years ago was debunked. But somehow it just keeps on floating through the glory circles. It's not even in the scripture, but people have preached it over the years. And I think, you know, at some point, Nematikos people need to be a little bit smarter than that. I don't want anything but the word. I mean, and the word has plenty for us. I mean, if you need to spice it up or put some wacky Tabasco from some Christian website to keep you interested Maybe you need to reconsider what you, you're doing with your calling. If your calling isn't enough to keep you moving forward in the Lord, if a passion for Him and what He's called you to do isn't enough, if you need to keep tricking it up with everything that comes down the pike, what kind of relationship do you have? Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, if, if you're in a relationship with somebody and you love them, if you have to keep having them trick up their life so that you stay interested, there's something wrong with you. And I, I think a lot of people like the action when it's about the, the deep passion of committing to him and his ways. Look, we as saints have enough to do. I mean, I don't need to be reading somebody else's romance or nonsense. Every time I come, every time I wake up, every time I'm in the sanctuary, when we're out in ministry, there is so much going on in the spirit realm. There's so many demands. There are so many 
uh, places to where we invest ourselves biblically. There's so many things that come against us that we need to gain prophetic directives to turn. Uh, there's so many ways that God is revealing himself, so many things that God is doing in intercession, taking us into high places, uh, showing us dreams, visions. You know, if you would invest half the amount of time you spend going after every nonsensical thing that comes down the pike, and you just invest that into the Lord, pretty soon you would be so captivated and you'd say, man, I need to sow everything I have into this. So, I didn't intend to say all those things, obviously. How many times have you heard me remark in that way? But we need to be transfigured in this point where we're entering into this new dimension of God's glory, His partnership with us. And next week again, the Presence Seminar, we, we encourage all of you to register online on the website. Um, but in the Old Testament, the glory of God is depicted in a way that God is wanting to do a thing that has not been done. His glory watches over that. And whoever is willing to accept his offer of partnership, and God chooses this, they also are that one who uh, walks in that dimension of glory. In the Old Testament, Kabod and the derivatives of Kabod are weightiness. It is something that impresses upon us to create the imprint of God, the, the honor. That's what that word means in the Old Testament, to be imprinted upon by the pressure, the burden of God to where we're in His likeness. That's Old Testament representation of glory. It's depicted, it's depicted as a fire, which would be judgment and burning. Um, there are ways then that God's, God's spirit comes. Each of us has a spirit within that needs to be born again through Christ. God's spirit is available to people. But then as you partner with God, you make the way for that spirit, that manucha, the nuach, you have the ruach, and then you've got the nuach where you're partnering with God, offering first fruits, and then in his timetable you establish a permanent dwelling place, a manucha. Those are the Bible words. Now if you want to trick it up by saying intertestamental things that those same people that write about the glory that's not in the scripture were the very same ones who resisted Jesus and who Paul said had a veil over their face. So you can believe stuff that's not biblical. Or you can look carefully at what the Bible says and hold on to that. In the New Testament then, you have uh, the, uh, the glory being depicted as doxa, but it, it's a culmination of those depictions in the Old Testament. Now what about the presence? The presence of God. That's God's face. That's God's ways. That's the circle of His ways. Those are His eyes. This is, this is those who are uh, of the 70. It's the same term. Uh, it's, it's those that can welcome the wells of God in the points of the dryness in this world. 
See, these are all biblical terms. And anybody that brings some something that's not in the Bible, don't expect me to run it up the flagpole and ask the saints to salute it. We're not doing that. I mean, it's I've had enough of that in my life, growing up in church. That That's just... The only thing you can build upon is the Word. Everything else is shifting sand. So, we need to be changed from glory to glory. Now, to the message of the day, which is found in Genesis 30. Uh, this is a rather unusual passage. And the reason I felt led to this is, first of all, we had a a very interesting discussion with one of our Brazilian pastors and Brother Yawali recently about this. But Jacob was living with, still with his father-in-law Laban, who was kind of a shyster. And he, he had Laban's oldest daughter, Leah, and then he had Rachel, who he really loved, he was married to both of them due to Laban's trickery. And finally, Rachel bore a son on her own whose name was Joseph. Joseph, it's interesting, why did she name this boy Joseph? It means, it means to add to, to add another. So she wasn't, she wasn't blessed enough to have a son who would be notable in so many ways she called him I want more basically which is which is not really that good you know I I remember when I was a young boy my mom was always telling me about how great the kid down the street was that was a few years older than me in fact she gave me my middle name William after that young man, and I'm sure he was a very nice guy. And I'd heard about enough of this. By the time I got into fourth grade, I finally said, Mom, aren't you just satisfied with me? You know, do you have to keep comparing me to somebody else? Why are you doing this? And uh, so to me, it was kind of weird for Joseph to be named that you would think that after all those years when she was wanting to have a son and finally it happens she should have probably named him by some triumphant God is faithful or finally it comes or something like that but instead she calls him Joseph which means add more to it uh, and that term the, the root of Joseph was used for that very purpose you know like Hezekiah, who had 15 more years added. That's the root of Joseph. Um, so for Rachel, I'm, I know she loved Joseph. Obviously, Jacob did, coat of many colors and all. But um, she names him after a name that says, okay, this is okay, but I want more. You gave already gave six to my sister. Now I want more. But at that point, obviously, God began to speak to Jacob about finally getting out from under the thumb of Laban. And so he goes to Laban and he says, I'm, I need to get out of here. And they have this weird discussion. You can read it for yourself. 
to where they make this agreement regarding the livestock. And uh, Joseph then, uh, or Jacob then, does this kind of strange thing where he lays out various pieces of wood that are striped or speckled so that, and he puts them in front of the strong animals and they produce that way and um, that those are the ones that Jacob's going to get. Now, it was blessed. It worked. Part of it was that he was just mating the stronger animals, but the colors of these uh, and the, the, the markings of these animals uh, really was a miraculous thing. And eventually, though, it, it irritated Laban's other sons, and they didn't like, they agreed to the deal, but when the deal was being processed, they didn't like that Jacob was blessed. But the point for me is in Genesis 30, and you, you read this story, you may want to read it for yourself. Because some people say, how did, how did, how did, what's the purpose of this? Does God really do something like this, where if you put these, um, these striped pieces of wood and ring straked, and, would God really do that? And is that an ongoing thing, like a chameleon anointing? Is that really what, um, what, that sounds like some kind of wackiness. It, it, and people would dis, discredit the, the, uh, the whole process of saying, see, you can't believe that. That's another one of those things that's just, just a, a myth. It, it never really happened, but it reads good. How can you believe such, such nonsense? And, um, I, I think that the, the answer for this is found in Genesis 30, verse 33, where Jacob says, So shall my righteousness answer for me in time to come. What does that mean? Well, this is the second instance of righteousness in the Scripture. The first was just a few chapters before when Abram was told by God to look up into the sky and see the stars and to believe what God was saying about his seed being more plenteous than the number of them. And when, Ab when Abram believed, God said, this is righteousness. That point of vision that you are believing is righteousness. And it will be what I'm showing you. And it will be what I'm promising you. So this is the second instance of righteousness. Same word in the scripture. Undoubtedly, um, Isaac had spoken about what happened and it had been remembered that this is what God did with righteousness because righteousness, remember, is formed from the word that means vision. 
We've studied about this at length in the past, so you should know this. Now, we don't know when God talked to Jacob about this. It's not written. But for Jacob to pull that word out of his quiver and say, this whole process that we're going to do with the spotted and the speckled and the ring straight, my righteousness will answer for me soon. Sometimes people will question why we do things prophetically. Why we engage in peculiar activations that we feel God tells us to do. By peculiar, I'm not saying killing cats and drinking blood. So any of you listening who don't know us, don't think I'm talking about strange things. There's a lot of these kinds of things in the scripture. Oh, this well is poisoned. Well, I'll tell you what you do. You just throw salt in it and the water will be healed. No chemical reaction that I know of takes poison and turns it because you put salt in it. Um, there are so many things that God tells people to do and because they do them, um, he, he then creates a miracle. You want to go down the list? You should know them at the ready. But it's, it's about hearing what God says to do, making sure it's God. Now, I know some people get kind of drunk on this process. They, they just like doing activations. And who's to say that I would suspect, knowing God, that he's not asking you to do all those activations. You just like doing them. And if you haven't gotten one for a while, well, let's dream one up to keep the people active. Um, you know, the prophet said, shoot arrows out the window. And, it, it, you know, who does that? I mean, there's so many of them. So when Jacob does this kind of wacky thing, I believe it happened. I know it happened. The, the promise of God the prospering of God. God obviously told him what to do, and he calls it righteousness. The only other time righteousness was used in Scripture was Abram believing what God showed him. And that also brought him into closer favor with God. So here's Jacob, the second issuance of righteousness. is really an odd thing. It, it's, it's like an activation. Uh, and some of the progressives have probably already torn this out of their Bible. Oh, we can't believe that any more than we can believe in Noah's Ark, any more than we can believe in the Red Sea being split, any more than we can believe in the, the Jordan being split, any more than we can believe in the burning bush. You know, and they just rip out all these things. But this really happened. So we come to these prayer times and we ask God. We feel that God has directed us to this. He is changing us from glory to glory for what is coming. We need this change. But we carefully and, first of all, prayerfully, 
and carefully try our best to obey. Um, and God looks at obedience better than sacrifice. God wants his people to, you remember what he said to Moses when he told him to speak to the rock. And then Moses got down there and was overcome by the tumultuous atmosphere and he just told the people off. He didn't speak to the rock, but he sure spoke to them and he smoked the rock. God brought water anyway. But what did God say? Because you did not believe me. You didn't do what I said to do at the right hand. That is Ammon. Uh, you're not you're not going on. You you could have demonstrated my saintliness, my holiness before these people, and you didn't do it. So when we do things that we feel God has called us to do, we have to make sure that we're carefully doing what God says. If you give people too many assignments like this, and God knows this, it loses its, it loses its uh, importance in their mindset. Um, I would rather have two or three activations a year where God is speaking, and I'm not limiting us to that, than to have one a month just to keep people active. Um, but then when God says, do this, we do it with all of our might. So I pray that as we gather to pray, we, we invite you, not just here at the Father's Church, but we invite you to join us in prayer. We're, we're believing that God is forming us into a new persona of his choosing for the glory responsibilities that are immediately ahead partnering with him. Um, and we believe that coming to pray and believing for this, because God said it. We didn't read it in the Bible and say, oh, hey, I'd like to have that, even though every promise in the book is mine. And we didn't read it in some book other than the Bible and say, man, bless God, that sounds good, let's do it. We didn't hear it at some other revival meeting. Say, well, if it's okay for them, God's no respecter of person, it's okay for me. I know that God can move in some ways in that way. You know, we didn't go to Brownsville in, in 1996 because we, uh, we were just looking for something cool to do. We went because God emphatically said to go. And because we obeyed, God transformed us. Not everybody that went there was transformed. They had an experience, and only God's the judge, but they, they went, who's to say why they went? But I know there are a lot of people that just like to hop from place to place. I suspect a good number of them, not all of them, but a good number of people who went there just like the action. Um, 
It's like what Jesus said. Why are you following me out here? Do you think I'm going to multiply bread and fishes? Is it going to be a new, is it going to be a Catholic fish fry out here? No. I mean, he, he got in their face. But we obeyed God. And have we missed God since then? Probably. I don't think anybody bats a thousand. But for the most part, we try to obey what God says to do as do you. But it's a depiction of righteousness. And here, here Jacob, in real time, with goats and sheep, have some, has some kind of a righteous directive from God. He does this really strange activation coupled with animal husbandry that is pretty smart. Um, putting the strong the more uh, highly developed animals instead of the weaklings into his batch. That's just wisdom. But no matter how much he tried, he wasn't going to be able to produce the way he produced unless it was righteous obedience. So what, what is God going to do through us as saints? We need to have strong ones fulfilling the calling of the Lord. We don't need people that are just going to give it a try and quit. The time is short. Um, the Spirit is going out into the highways and byways, bringing in people who are serious about following the Lord. That's what we need. That's what we need to populate the, the army of the Lord for the days to come. We need those that are serious, those that will be strong in the Lord, those that are not playing around. That's exactly what Jacob experienced here in righteousness. And it says, So shall my righteousness, again, second time this word is used, and the first time was a biggie. Abraham and God when God first established what righteousness was. Isaac also had a derivation of righteousness, the vision of the, uh, of the, the animal caught in the thicket when they were up on the sacrifice hill. Jacob, though, uses the term righteousness, indicating that God spoke to him, gave him this thing to do, and he was doing it. And that righteousness will answer for me. Let's obey the Lord. Do what he's saying in these days. And let's, let's let that answer. For now, we obey. Let's pray. Let's believe in this transforming power as we enter into a new dimension of God's glory. Let's, let's believe that we will be Christ-like in ways beyond what we've known. For Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, his face shone. It was incredible. Now, Moses and Elijah were there. The, the big three were really impressed. Um... God were to open your eyes to see what's going on around you in the spirit realm right now, some of you he is, 
But if God would do that for all of you, you'd be impressed too. There's great activity. These are heightened days. But what we offer to God in our prayer, in our obedience, is going to answer for us. And it's going to be those that are called, who are marked by God, who are strong in Him, and who are willing to rise up and be those who do exploits for the kingdom, for the Lord's sake. And anybody who thinks I'm going to do this and then, man, I'll establish my ministry, man, I, who knows what will happen. That is a bad motive. It never works out well. And really, for the days that are coming, who knows what's coming in the next few years. Your, your idea of what ministry is could be absolutely blotto by then. Only God knows what's coming. So we need to do what he says, to do it effectively, obediently, and to move in righteousness. Part of that is what we're praying this week and have been praying. And a great portion of that is something that we're going to be observing together as saints as we uh, enjoin with this network seminar next week. And I think so important that God would say, call it the presence. Call it being face to face with me. Wow. Well, thank you for joining today. Uh, I've been a little preachy. You need that every now and then. Um, don't forget to register for seminar. Um, we pray for you. We'll be praying for those of you who are traveling here. We'll be praying for you tonight. Um, we're believing for this transformation that only God can give. And we look forward to walking in the fields of righteousness with you in the days to come. God bless. Thanks again for listening. And uh, we'll see you at the throne of God in prayer.